Rogue Radio. Now available on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. Keep it rogue. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Into the Van. I hope you guys are doing well and you know, keeping safe, keeping well, keeping occupied, listening to new music. I've really been digging Jeremiah Hatfield, someone I found through Rogue Country, has released a recent EP and I've really been enjoying that. It's got a great weight and vibe to it that I really enjoy and you know, tracks like Take Me Back Home and Marianne are real standouts for me on that. So go listen to Jeremiah Hatfield, he performs under the name Jay Hatfield. Go check that out on Spotify. Um, in recent news, I got to do a live stream gig at the Ferret in Preston. And I got to do them with my friends Crapsons, who you may know from this podcast. You may know them from being just a phenomenal fucking punk band. They're a great duo. Go listen to them if you haven't done it. The live stream is available on my page, Crapsons page, and the Ferret page. And yeah, go check them out. I've been really loving like Idols lately. Their Ultra Mono record was a great one to come out, so I've been digging that. And Crapsons do such clever and witty songs with such a punk, rebellious edge that it's just so much fun to watch. And I was happy that like my first live gig of the year was I got to watch Crapsons play. Between that, as you know, I got to do a gig, I got to drive out with the Wirral and drive somewhere and drive back. So I got podcasts to keep me company. A shout out to the Proper Mental podcast with Tom and Chris who have been doing really well with that stuff. Go listen to the Proper Mental podcast. I've also been enjoying Nightmare on Film Street, which is another podcast. And I'm telling you this because I wanted to, you know, share the things I enjoy. And if you enjoy this podcast, you enjoy my music, you enjoy anyone's podcast or music, please tell your friends, tell people you think might be interested, tell your coworkers, whoever, because word of mouth is the best thing to get podcasts music films tv shows into the hands of new people so please share this podcast and share anything else you really give a shit about as always today's episode is brought to you by the next life my debut record there's not really much else i can say about this record except you know i put my heart and soul into it it's nine tracks we're working on album two so if you want to see more music from me please pick up a copy of the next life i'm going to drop a teaser here It's available digitally on vinyl on CD at mike333west.com. You know, go pick up a copy, support my music. I've got 
the tracks the album title i've got everything ready for what album two is going to be i just need to record the thing now so that's going to be a lot of fine tuning for this year hopefully 2022 will bring a new album but it's all down to you guys supporting me but without further ado let's go on to the main course zach king is a guy that i think i first became aware of when we first connected he's based over in pennsylvania in the states and he messaged me about gigs and things because he is a pillar of the like the music scene where he is and he's really invaluable in not just you know booking gigs and promoting people but he also has his own music he's a really interesting guy so i've been a fan of his for a while not just because of his music but because of his attitude and his optimism and you know when someone gives a shit about the scene they give a shit about the scene and i need to talk to more people like that because it inspires me to keep going with you know my music with rogue country and zach king's a prime example of someone who's doing it for the love of it so we caught up with him just after his birthday and this is a really fucking fun podcast this was a really fun chat it was great to get to meet him and you know talk to him about stuff and just shoot the shit and we got interrupted by one of his friends doing the lord's work and passing him a beer i'm gonna put the video in at some point on my facebook because it's fucking hilarious but you know what time it is guys this is into the van with mike west and zach king Welcome to Into the Van with me, Mike West. You've obviously just you've just shown me the cassette of your new record, and the single Vice came out yesterday on the nineteenth of Feb. When's the full record out? Uh, good question. I think I'm gonna put it out probably within the month. Within a month, I think. Mm. I think that's how they do it. You know, <laughs> like put it out a little bit at a time. So. Yeah. Uh, we might we might put out one more song uh, before we like let it all loose, but yeah, the whole thing should be out in about a month, I would assume. Cool, man. And um, what was you kind of like thinking? Because cassette seems to be making a bit of a comeback now. That seems to be you know vinyls had its resurgence for the last few years, but I've seen a few different people like Harry Pedigo did um, his EP on a cassette and stuff. What was like your process behind it? Um. Well, the, the, we, we first did a, uh, uh, when we started doing the, the recording process uh, around the start of the pandemic, and so we were doing a uh, least of all sound recording. I don't mm. know if you've ever seen that. It's like a thing they do in Brooklyn where they cut it directly to vinyl or whatever. But uh, we didn't get to do that because of that. So we got, we instead did some like uh, shut in session, I think they mm. called it. And, uh, we, we were recording it at a local studio called Shaw Ranch Studios, where I'm from in Pennsylvania. And uh, we recorded it on a reel-to-reel to give it that that vintage vinyl mm-hmm. sound, you know. And uh, so the initial recordings were just me and a guitar and used for that. And uh, I have a tape player in my car, and I hardly ever used it, but uh, somebody had mentioned something about it you know, being good on a cassette maybe too. And I thought it'd be worth trying it out because I could at least test it out, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's, yeah, that's what it came down to. And then some uh, other friends of mine, they they took up the task of cutting it onto the cassettes. And it was really a shot in the dark. I had no idea that it was a, a, a thing <laughs> coming back. And it just so happens to turn out that that's what's happening. And 
you know, even a broken clock is the right twice a day. So. Yeah, it's weird how stuff kind of resurges, and I think especially in like the DIY community, tape has always had that kind of place in people's eyes. I had a mate who had like this really old fucking car, and it, it only had a tape player, and so we got a load of tapes off eBay. So it was like Pearl Jam and fucking Alice yeah. Cooper or anything you could get on cassette. And I know a guy in the Netherlands who collects new music on cassette. So it's weird that people just have this kind of nostalgic feel for it. And it's also, you know, it's a necessity. If you have a tape player in your car, that's the only thing you can fucking listen to. You'll get yeah. a cassette. But it's that weird like Venn diagram of where it like overlaps. And it just seems to have just hit at a really weird time in the last like year or two where cassettes yeah. have had this comeback. It's cool, man. I'd like to do a cassette. I think I don't have anything I could play it on. Like I've released, I've got CDs. I don't have a CD player in my house or in my yeah. van. That's how I feel. Most people that have bought the cassette from me say, I don't even have a cassette player. <laughs> and it kind of blows my mind, but I guess, you know, I appreciate the support regardless, but yeah. Uh, yeah. It is like kind of a dying thing, but yeah, it's very nostalgic growing up. I, I mean, I had a cassette for, couple years maybe before cds kicked mm. in but uh yeah it's pretty nostalgic definitely not the nicest form of listening but uh nonetheless it gives it, it gives it a cool feel yeah it's interesting man and i think like when you're saying like folks will buy it even though they can't play it, it's just if someone really enjoys your musical wants to support you it doesn't really matter if they have an outlet to support you they will which is always like an interesting thing to see but with the record and stuff when did you start recording it um way back when or when did you start the writing process really for the like new record um well some of the songs all all the songs on there is five songs uh they're all original songs um i started writing some of them years ago you know mm. the oldest ones probably like eight years old at this point i don't know um but uh, the two newest ones on there are Ohio and uh, Whiskey Words and Rhymes. And I probably started writing those both. Ohio's the newest probably within the last five months, six months. And then uh, uh, Whiskey Words and Rhymes is probably like, I don't know, maybe a year, two years old. Cool, man. And is this your first record you've brought, your first EP? Uh, yeah, technically, uh, officially, I guess a couple years ago, I did uh, a, a release I did with a bunch of my friends. And we called it Kingfish and Friends kind of before we before we were putting on shows under that name or anything like that. It was just a just a cool little project. First time I ever re like did recording or anything. I was still in college. And then I was in a band for a while called the Flat Wheels. It was like a folk rock mm. band. And uh, we did a full EP together. Uh, but yeah, this is the first time I think I, I took it like all the creative direction and um, yeah, I took the undertaking of putting it out, you know, mm. connecting with folks like you, you know, so. Yeah. No, it's cool, man. And like, I always kind of like the first record because, you know, like the same thing as myself is you have these songs that you've kind of been sitting on for like eight plus years. And then it's like, you finally get to bring them out to the world and then once you've done that, you also have the terror of now you've got a second record at some point to do, but you don't have, have like you don't have eight years of songwriting before then. So it's like what will be like out now with that eight year difference between songs. Did you find your writing style change or shift 
That's all. Uh, well, yeah, I'd say maybe I'd say I'm getting a little better at it, but I wouldn't say, uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's changing much. Uh, you know, I still struggle with that. Like you said, like now, now that they're all out, it's like, okay, all the, all the, all the cats are out of the bag and, uh, you know, what, what else am I going to pull out of this hat? So, uh. Lately, I've just been trying to do that, like take the time to not really focus on uh, having more material for release, but just getting more focused on the idea of of just being in the habit of creating material instead of waiting for uh, inspiration to strike, because that takes eight years sometimes. <laughs> yeah, man. And like, who were your influences for this record and what made you pick up with all? Because like, I was listening to your EP and Whiskey. It had like a Christopherson vibe to me, like an early Christopherson vibe of that kind of storytelling. But it's not like John Prine's storytelling. Like to me, Prine and Christopherson are like two of the greatest songwriters ever. And they both tell stories, but how they approach it is just so subtly different that you can kind of start putting songwriters in different camps. And I always thought yours had a Christopherson vibe. Is he an influence on you at all? Oh yeah, I mean, I love Chris Christopherson. I mean, the story songs, like the fragmented phrases, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that's a huge inspiration. Uh, I wouldn't say again. I happen into some of this stuff by luck, so <laughs> I wouldn't say I necessarily like channeled that that vibe when I mm-hmm. like wrote that song. But now that you say it, like to an extent. Uh, there is a little bit of that inspiration just because of the story mm. and the way it's put together. It, you know what I mean? He doesn't say, Chris Christopherson doesn't say it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he leaves some space for you to fill in the blanks. And I always like that. Yeah, man. It's a really like interesting thing. Like I always found what Christopherson does is he does leave those gaps where it is. Then it's like a collaboration between what the listener is interpreting as I always really enjoy those types of songwriters, but who like made you pick up a guitar in the first place or who were your, like when you realized that music wasn't just music and you started actually tuning into like your own styles and tastes. Oh, I mean, uh, you know, when I was a kid, actually, I listened to my, my dad was like hardcore country fan. So that's my grandparents and those folks. So that's where that comes from. My mom is actually very stark difference and like loves hip hop and R and B and all that. And so I definitely jive with all that too. And, uh, but no, like when I was a kid, I, I listened to all kinds of music and I always like as a young kid, uh, could tell the difference between the instruments, you know, mm. something was going on there, but it wasn't until, uh, there was a neighbor guy that lived next to me growing up. He was probably, he was probably in his seventies by the time I met him and I was probably 14, but he had a bluegrass band and they would have jams over at his house and just like seeing it in real life, mm-hmm. um, watching the interaction between the folks and like being a kid, didn't know shit about playing music, but I had a, a, a crappy guitar and they, uh, they brought me over and they would just yell out, all right, this one's in the key of G, you know, one, four, five, whatever. And they'd go into it. And, you know, I had no idea what the hell they were talking about, but (laughs) it would just, 
it would just force you into it, kind of yeah. throw you in. And uh, that was a big inspiration. And lo locally, where I grew up, there's a pretty cool scene. Uh, lots of lots of artists, lots of music, and uh, cool little dive bars where the people listen to the songs that you have to sing. And I'm thankful for all that because if it weren't for that, you know, I probably would have become discouraged along mm. the way at some point. Um, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily any one like famous singer or anything mm. like that. Uh, you know, I have a lot of idols, but uh, yeah, my neighbor, Roscoe Riesinger, who's since passed on, mm. uh, his birthday was actually two days ago. His mm. was the day before mine. And uh, yeah, he's probably the biggest inspiration uh, as to getting it going just because he's old time picker. Yeah. It's cool, man. Like I always say that one of my like biggest influences was my brother-in-law because like I was, I think I was like, 12 i just started playing guitar like my all-time favorite like who i picked up a guitar for was ace Frehley from kiss but nice. i was just kind of like bashing out chords i wasn't really doing anything and then you know my sister brought home this guy who was also like he was a guitarist and he was in bands and the second you see someone in real life playing it not even you know they don't have to be playing stadiums they can literally be playing in a fucking back room or on a porch somewhere and you go oh this is attainable this is actually a thing and then they start teaching you stuff and it's it opens up this whole world that i think yeah it's just an insane amazing world to walk into and it's those influences that you don't realize how like important they are like obviously like i can go through like tony iomi christopherson cash or whoever but then it's like my brother-in-law was a huge influence because he was who showed me the actual real practical side of things yeah Exactly. I think it's uh, like you hit the nail on the head kind of with how I feel about uh, a lot of my friends. You know, it's like uh, it's inspiring mm -hmm. to have so many friends that are ta as talented or or more talented. You know, and it's just it's awesome. Like uh, it's it's very inspiring to be surrounded by people who uh encourage you to do your craft just by doing their craft you know yeah. what I mean? like and in central pennsylvania there's a lot of people that are that are kind of really doing something and that's uh that's inspiring to see i always say like uh it's important that your friends are your or it's important to to support your friends but most importantly it's uh it's important that your friends you know remain your heroes yeah you know, like, uh, instead of, uh, the other way around, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, uh, trying to be with people because they're somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah. that's such a big thing. And like, I was talking to him, Eli Gardner, who I've just did a podcast with last week. He's in him, Minnesota, Minnesota has this great scene at the moment with folks like Luke Hendrickson or Tate McLean. Yeah. The plot I got Luke. I got Luke's record because of watching this show, man. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. It's it's such a fucking good record. But yeah. they've got that kind of scene. It's also what you've kind of built in, like Central Pennsylvania with the Kingfish and friends. And in the UK, that's what we're trying to do a bit with like road country and stuff. Is because there's like you can say it's a scene, but it is people like someone kind of breaks ahead. Mm -hmm. I gets above the surface and then everyone tries to like latch onto them to try and further instead of actually being friends and just being supportive and being like, wouldn't it be fun to do a show together? 
And exactly. It really, yeah. It really hit home. I watched like the Hot One Highways documentaries. I watched like the seventies one, and then the revisited from twenty fifteen. And like, I just have that kind of ache of wishing I had that kind of network. But with you in Pennsylvania, when did you start realizing you had that kind of community there? Was it all just kind of organically, you were all friends anyway, and realized that you were kind of into the same music and playing together and stuff? Yeah, I mean, you're right, though. That heartworn highway shit, dude, that's the vibe that everybody wants, man. That's yeah that's it and like i mean kind of like back home growing up like like i said there's a little dive bars there's a place we all call chicks it was owned by a local legend fiddle player who uh you know just happened to start this small little one room bar in the 60s sometime and uh they'd have live music and it wasn't nothing fancy you just sit around a table like no microphones or nothing Hmm. just play and uh like when I was 15, 16, we'd go there and, you know, you'd bring your guitar and if you sit around the table and you could be loud enough that the folks in the bar could hear you and still, you know, do their thing, you know, then you they would be able to listen to you, you know? And so uh, we kind of had a little thing like that, which is pretty cool. And I'm very, you know, thankful for that. But yeah, a lot of communities don't have that. And that's, uh, it's a damn shame, obviously, but uh yeah we had a little bit of something like that it still goes on today chicks is still there it's new mm-hmm. new ownership but uh you know we've had the opportunity to to produce some shows there and uh you know we've met guys like pat uh you know who you know pat reedy and yeah uh, travis egner uh had been there and a couple other folks that we met along the way and it's and, and that's the biggest thing i think is that it's like you're saying one person will rise to the top and everyone wants to go up there instead of just kind of coexisting and yeah. camaraderie. Like the camaraderie is a big thing, man. You know, like having that love for each other's music and the style and appreciating everyone's point of view, what they're doing, what they're yeah. writing. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I think that's what like you've kind of done with like your podcast. And because I remember we first started talking because you're, you were obviously booking shows. And you reached out to me and obviously I'm fucking dying to get over to the States to play eventually, but you do actively try and bring people into the fold. And it's not because someone's necessarily doing well. It's because you're a fan of them or, you know, you just enjoy them as a person. You just want to connect. And that's what I think is missing from, especially the UK scene as I think no one's really trying to connect and actually just hang out and yeah. like play music everyone's just kind of like well we can hang out but it'll be on a show that we're going to try and sell tickets for and it's like when when do i get my fucking heart one highways moment man when do i just get to sit yeah, around exactly. a campfire yeah. and hang the fuck out with people and i've had it you have those like glimmers sometimes that just make it incredible and i think the more people realize that that's that's the goal man that's when yeah. you've made it as a, like not even as a scene as like friends is when you're just shooting the shit and playing music and stuff. And that's what I'm really envious of in terms of like what you guys are doing, what the Minnesotan scene's doing. The Kentucky scene at the moment's just on fire. Yeah, Kentucky's insane, yeah. yeah. But um, how did you connect with Travis Egnor? Because he's played on your new record and he played on my record as well. How yeah. did you uh, run into Travis? Uh, well, we met Travis. He was actually playing with a band called Hello June. 
Mm. He's from uh, based out of West Virginia, and uh, they're like a alternative rock group, hell of a band. But he was uh, he was on tour with them, and he was there playing steel with them. And uh, yeah, the whole band, great folks. Uh, it was uh, Sarah, Wit, uh, Travis, and another fellow named Jared. And uh, yeah, great great group of group of people. And we met Travis and just happened to stay connected um, online from that experience. And then uh, yeah, I think when we got to doing this. We got to doing this record, and I bought a pedal steel, and I've been practicing, and uh, but I wasn't confident enough to lay it down. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I seen Travis was putting something out about it, and I just reached out to him, and he was happy to happy to help out, which is really cool. Love Travis, a hell of a guy, nice nice guy, hmm. and hell of a player too. He plays yeah. everything. Yeah, he played bass, steel. He pulled accordion out his ass and laid that down on the <laughs> on the song. Um, yeah, he's a hell of a talented guy. And so yeah, really appreciate him doing that. And I and you know, we connected too when I saw he played on your record. Too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy how like these kind of networks or like dots like connected even across like, you know, different countries and shit. It's really like a beautiful thing that, you know, for all the evils of social media and the internet, it's these things that are like kind of show how important it is. To like have these connections and have this ability to you know talk to a guy in West Virginia send him some like rough tracks and then just lay something incredible down I know I'm so thankful to like live in this day and age as much as I hardly even knew how to log into this thing today <laughs> like uh you know yeah it's amazing what we can do it's really something mm. and like with like um Kingfish and Friends and stuff when did you start looking at a podcast and stuff because obviously meeting up and booking shows and stuff and there's that real world connection to stuff but you always have that knowledge that you kind of need like not necessarily just a digital presence but to have that opportunity for people online to connect your stuff when did you look into starting the podcast like was it something you talked about for a while with um your mates and stuff or uh no we usually don't talk about anything for too long before it usually gets <laughs> gets to be rolling right or wrong and uh it i you know to quite honestly i'm not sure at what point we decided uh that we were going to do it but uh the the goal of kingfish and friends is just to exactly like you said encompass anybody in the fold that we like respect love mm-hmm. want to support promote whatever and uh yeah, and just try and help uplift them and showcase them and, and get more eyes and ears on what they're doing. And the podcast just seemed like a natural fit to do that. Um, and actually, it's unfortunate that uh, we haven't done any recent episodes, but we, a lot of their, our guests, we were doing them live in the yeah. studio. And, uh, you know, a lot of our guests weren't able to travel in anymore due to cancellations and touring and all that kind of stuff. But, uh overall it was a great experience and actually uh my buddy tom who's you know kitchen table i'm sitting at here he uh he and i were just talking last night about revamping some some episodes of that to uh just to again to keep the pedal to the metal as far as representing uh the folks that we like and respect you know mm. yeah man because not only is it like a podcast and shows but you also have 
you know, a label with a different folks on. Was that again, because what I love about like what you guys do is the same thing from what, you know, like the discord label in the eighties did where it was just a group of kids who are a fan of the music, who played the music and were like, no one else is supporting us. So we need yeah. to support ourselves with like the label. How did, again, was it that just like a quick conversation and be like, we just need to start putting things out. Yeah, that was again another quick one that just started rolling. Uh, a, a lot of uh, I got some friends who are hell hella songwriters and 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 great people and well respected in the community uh, as far as music goes. And and it just felt that they had limitations of their own, you know, like they could write the songs, they could you know do whatever, but they couldn't necessarily do all the booking or the. Mm or the recording or, you know, whatever it comes down to, whatever the limitation is. And, you know, I hate to see that be a reason why somebody can't uh, do what they love. So we just decided to take it upon ourselves to, you know, people like, again, that we like, love and respect. We say, Hey, if you've got a dream or ambition to do this kind of thing, uh, like Chubb, he wanted to record some, some new songs that he had. And, you know, we went up to a, studio that a friend of mine runs and we've been out there recording songs we plan to release those songs under the kingfish label and uh and we're facilitating promotion you know production recording mm. whatever man we're trying to do whatever we can dude yeah. like not like not that we know what we're doing but well that's that's the main thing and you <laughs> learn you let you always land by doing it like that's what I think a lot of people kind of either don't realize or kind of forget is you see people get a manager when they've got like three songs written. Yeah, It's like, why are you starting to pay someone to do something you, you can do yourself? If you yeah. Google a few things, you'll learn how to do it. And it's people just don't necessarily realize how easy it is to start yeah. something like how easy it is to start a podcast or, you know, even start a label like with the label. Cause I'm, interested in it in terms of like i'd like road country to eventually do one was the studio time and stuff like you put up the money for them to do it or was it through friends that you just managed to get the recording sessions through and then was there a physical distribution at the end of it at so far at this point everything's kind of been organic kind of family favors mm -hmm. um but the the goal is that you know we all uh you know, we all sew together, we all grow together, you yeah. know, so we, uh, you know, we have plans to take some of these, these uh, productions and make physical releases out of them through Kingfish and Friends promotion, um, Tusker Roar Records is what the studio is called. So through, the, through our, our, our efforts, we plan to take those items and then promote them and produce them and sell them for the artists, give the artists, you know, revenue from that. And yeah, just kind of, you know, if they can entrust us to do that for them, mm -hmm. that's, that's the goal. Um, obviously, you know, everyone wants to make a buck. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, like, it's not the goal. No, it's not the goal. Um, I actually just seen a fella on the internet say it the other day. It's a old guy Clark quote, but uh there's no money in poetry and that's what sets the poet free. Mm. Like that's the greatest thing ever, because if that's what your goal is, you're always going to be frustrated because there ain't no damn money in show business. Yeah. Uh, but I guess there is, if you do it 
certain extent, but for the most part, that ain't the goal. We're just no. here to, like you said, just like Rogue Country does, just like you're doing, you know, like I respect you guys for doing the same thing. It's just a matter of putting the boots on the ground and doing it. Like if you don't have the ambition or the uh, excitement to, to get involved and try and make something out of nothing, then no point in trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, man. And I don't know if like, you kind of felt it with your scene. What we've done is just like, no, no one else is supporting us. So why wouldn't we support ourselves? Yeah. Like, we're, we're worth someone supporting us. Yeah. And there's no, there's going to be no one who supports like me and my friends better than me and my friends. So why wouldn't we create a network to do that? Absolutely. That's essentially, that's it in a nutshell, man. Like mm. if you, if you love something, tell people about it yeah. you know what i mean because they might love it too and like again like it's all about organic growth and camaraderie like if you guys can get down with hanging out and playing shows and not necessarily making any money but creating experiences and connections that essentially will pay the bills eventually yeah you know but you can't you can't get it all without doing nothing you know yeah exactly man i'm with kind of you know, booking the shows, the podcast, the label, everything. Was there anyone that was inspired to you necessarily on like a local level or even, you know, like I was just talking about Discord, like Ian Mackay in DC. Was there anyone or any labels or anything that you saw and were like, we aren't going to achieve that like in a sense, but they're definitely like, I'm going to take a few rules out of their playbook necessarily. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, along the way, uh, Absolutely. Uh, to credit anyone specifically, I don't have anyone off the top of my head that, I, and, and even to this day though, I still do. Uh, there's a lot of folks I just, not that I watch them to, as far as like competition or anything like that, but it, you can always learn something from somebody, yeah. you know what I mean? And uh, somebody's always going to do something a little differently than the way you would. And sometimes it works for you. Sometimes it don't. And uh, I think that's a big part of it too, is, is uh, being willing to learn and grow in, in whatever it is that you're trying to do. And so, yeah, there's plenty of people along the way that we uh, seen and, and watched uh, as far as uh, outside promotion, like you mentioned, Kentucky, uh, mm. again, the Kentucky music scene, uh, when I was in, when a couple years ago, I was playing in a folk rock band and uh, we listened to a lot of bands like the Fox Hunt and stuff like that. Darren Hackward and John Miller and those guys. Mm -hmm. uh, they start to uh, really rise up to the top and, and it was really cool to see how it wasn't just, and then Tyler Childers, you know, and it just, it wasn't just uh, like a one guy flash in a pan kind of thing. It was very much so community. It was a community uprising, I guess yeah. you would call it. And uh, there's something to be said for that because that didn't just happen overnight. Nobody's, it wasn't like the, a decision they made at the time. No. That's just how they are. They are very supportive of each other. They love each other. And uh, they're all in it together, in it to win it, right or wrong. Mm. Uh whatever they're doing. And uh, there's something to be said for that, the camaraderie and the connection between the people. Yeah, I think 
because I like to sometimes like I like to look at music through like kind of like an analytical scope or a historical scope and I think the same way people talk about like the Texas scene from like the 70s and the Red Day or the Austin movement there's definitely going to be some look back on what the Kentucky scene was for this time period especially affecting like country music and folk music because like it must be something in the water at the moment because there's so many obviously like Childers is like the biggest one but you've got like people like him James Reed or you know those kind of folks like Walter DeBar who are just fucking like killing it yeah. at the moment and just James Reed's a guy I seen say the Guy Clark quote actually yeah. I've been following him a lot I like his music yeah he's got such a groove that's not, like I remember I first heard him was like holy shit like there was a groove to his playing and singing that I just never not heard before yes yeah. he's just a really interesting guy I'll have to get him on this at some point but um, who's kind of, you know, standing out for you necessarily in like the Pennsylvania scene or, you know, the country scene in general? Oh, I mean, there's tons of folks. I mean, in central Pennsylvania, there's a lot of folks actually that I would say are, are uh, really popping off that, uh, you know, and I say they're popping off because I know them and I respect them and I, I really do believe in them. Most people wouldn't know what the hell, but, but they, uh, there's folks back home, like a friend, one of my good friends, Virginia Masland. Mm. Uh, she's a phenomenal singer. She's a phenomenal fiddle player, mandolin player. She like loves traditional bluegrass music and she has a respect for the music and, uh, and, and an understanding and education of it all that kind of comes with it. And that, and that I think, Carrying that legacy forward is also something is, is very important. So I think she's one that really stands out. She plays in a group called Cumberland Honey. Mm. And uh, her and Steph, they do, uh, they do all, all original music and uh, based in Cumberland County, Pennsylvania. And uh, another friend of mine, Chubadiah, mm. he's an old-time picker I hang out with. If anyone follows me online, they've probably seen Chubadiah, but... He's a legend in the area, local guy, writes, got books and books and books of songs. And I'm very fortunate to call him a friend. And uh, Chubadiah's got some great shit out that you can find on the internet and uh, more stuff in the works too. Mm. Yeah, but I, th those are probably two people I would, I would really point out in my area. Uh, again, that's, that's, there's a, a, such a long list. Yeah. That if you follow us on Facebook, Kingfish and Friends, join the group, uh, the creative community. You know, we try our best to share and promote uh, everyone from the area that's doing something creative, not just music, uh, art, or whatever it is. And there's a lot going on, man. There's just yeah. so much going on. It's hard to cover it all. It's tough to be a guy like yourself, you know, trying to cover it all, you know. it's Yeah, it's that the thing isn't like, in one way it's like there's so much but that's such a good thing like you always hear people say how there's no good music anymore and it's like you are not listening to the same shit i'm listening to man you are exactly. looking in the right places and there's so much good new, like new modern artists coming out that you're like holy fuck like like luke hendrickson with his record where it's yeah. like how they aren't a household name is beyond me yeah, it gets me. I, I listened to, well, we just traveled to Kentucky uh, a couple weeks ago, 
to a see a fellow named Aaron Boyd. Mm. And uh, his record was one that I, you know, it's I love sad songs, sad and slow. That's my my vibe. But uh, Aaron, he's got a whole record full of sad, slow songs. And so it was just great. And it was great to connect with him. And like, again, if you love it and you listen to it, drive the eight hours to go and support it or whatever. Because mm. especially today's day and age, uh, that's few and far between. And to be able to support somebody to that extent, it means a lot to them. Dude, like, you don't, like, I try and explain it to Europeans and Americans, but people won't even travel 40 minutes in the UK for a gig. Like, it's crazy how, uh, like, the support network's not really there for a fan yeah. base. Like, I live in Merseyside, so I live just over the water from Liverpool. And if the, if the tunnel and traveling across the river is involved, people won't do it. No. Nah. And like people talk about having to travel eight hours to gigs and that in like America or Europe, it's just like, yeah, of course I'll do that. And in, you know, the UK, it's like, why are you playing Liverpool and not Manchester? And it's like, well, there's 40 minutes difference between the two. Just go to them. <laughs> <laughs> like British people have it so easy in eight hours you could get from one end of the country to the other. Oh yeah. So they're just, they're just bred to be lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Oh, and you'd think Americans would be the lazy ones. <laughs> it's weird, man. I don't know what it is with like UK audiences where if it's, you know, and I, I've been guilty of it too. Sometimes like someone will be doing a show like two or three hours away and I'm like, eh, fuck it. But yeah. it's like, if it's, if I really want to see them, like I remember I saw Alice Cooper in Leeds, which is like two hours away from me. And it's like, of course I'm fucking driving to that. Yeah. Hell like, yeah. In, like Nick Shoulders has been announced to play in yeah. November in the UK. And it's obviously his That's first time. That over here and he's playing places that's an hour away and two hours away and i'm like well of course i'm fucking going to them yeah but it's i know a lot of people will be like well he's not playing you know in my city so i'm not like and there's not that travel for a lot of people in the uk it's a really weird vibe yeah that's wild i mean i would say that's probably the furthest i ever gone for shows down to kentucky but uh anymore it's just like yeah like you're saying man if you really want to go go and like uh especially like an artist like nick too like for instance he don't even come around like on the east coast or north you know he don't he doesn't come up like that area very often and so uh, he was supposed to play in philly at one point and i was super stoked and i was gonna go even though it is like you know two and a half hours away but yeah you just got to do it otherwise i mean to wait for especially where i live ain't nobody coming to my town mm. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's it's a weird one, and it's even with musicians sometimes where it's like they won't travel outside of their area, which I can understand for people in the states. Like I remember, I Sean James told me where he once toured for like in, in Colorado for just a month, like just that one state. And it's like in the UK, if you aren't traveling like forty minutes, like plus outside, you just aren't gonna really get anywhere with it because if you don't have a scene like you guys do in Pennsylvania, then you're just going to fall on your ass. And it's, it's a weird thing in the UK where people either as musicians or fans just don't travel and it's trying to get yeah. them out of their comfort zones to do that. And now you're with Rogue Country too. Like you you work with that outfit too. So like, but I, from my perspective anyway, it looks like you guys are doing a great job at doing what we're talking about. Yeah. Like covering the art, even with your Into the Van podcast, like I see – and I've listened to you talk to like people from all over and uh, 
you know, and like, again, Luke, I listened to his record from your show and mm -hmm. bought the record based off of that. Otherwise would have never heard about it. Oh, thank you know, you. so like, like you guys are doing a great job at taking the initiative too. Um, Cause it looks like it, it also looks like too, like guys like uh, are coming a lot from over here, over there mm. and doing a lot of touring. And I just always assumed that there was a strong kind of scene for that um, in the area. There is in some points, there seems to be like, but it has to be American. That's what I've kind of noticed. I like I don't know if it's. Yeah, like, that was going to be my next question. Is it is it strictly because it's American? Yeah, it's the same thing. Like I've found, like I do better in like Europe than I do in the UK, and I don't know if it's because if you travel outside of like your own like hometown, people just have a bit like they just feel like you've got a bit more of a legitimacy to you. Yeah. While like if I play like just around here, people are like, well, he's not. Like he's just from here. He's not dating. He's not doing anything. He's just here. <laughs> but if I'm like playing in the Netherlands, it's like, oh shit, he's he must be he must be doing well, like in quotes, to yeah, be playing over here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially like America obviously has this, like it's the birthplace of country music. Like you can talk about like it being inspired by Celtic folk and all that stuff, but you know, popular country music from the twentieth century is an American genre so i think there's just that kind of oh he's the uk based so it's not it's not real country and it's you have that kind of issue but then you have like obviously pop countries like really prevalent everywhere and then there's yeah. a lot of pop country acts in the uk and then that's what is is considered like country in the uk when there's like artists like myself or alex tempest or josh bettis and stuff who are playing more traditional or different types yeah. that are then like kind of shoved to the side because they don't fit into that one aspect, which is why I think road country's done so well in the two years. Like we've only really went at it hard from 2020, but we did so well because that kind of gap in the market again, quotes is like not there. So it's like, yeah. we know, we know people, want to listen to us and people yeah. want to listen to that type of music because we do we aren't in a like a bubble or a vacuum we know other people will have the same sensibilities and they need an outlet for it and it's not really been provided which is what rogue country's done and i'm hoping when shows can start up again and stuff we can actually get some boots on the ground and start making real world connections because online's just too ephemeral and too forgettable it's not yeah. until you get to a show where people will actually start to give a shit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And ain't it a bitch that pop country's even taking over the UK? Like, it's everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, man. And like, the hardest thing was there's um, like the two biggest country artists in the UK are pop country artists. Yeah. So it was like, these are the country artists that everyone needs to emulate to make. And I, I think, I think they're called the Shires and the Wandering Hearts. I've not seen them. I think yeah. that's the names of them. But they are like the pop country ones. And then there's a few other like smaller ones that are kind of emulating it. But to a lot of folk, that's not country. And I know that in the States, people wouldn't view that as country music because, you know, there's been that divide since fucking Hank Williams died about what real country is. Yeah. So it's weird in the UK that there's still this battle and then there's like big festivals that only really put pop country acts on and that's the only real big country music festival so you don't have the kind of 
scene there for the people, but it's weird because Tyler Childers came over and then sold out like every date. So it's like, where the fuck are all these people normally? Yeah, they're like, where the fuck are they? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Ain't that a bitch? Yeah. Like, I was in Manchester, and it was like a sold-out show in the Academy. I was like, I'm, like this is only 40 minutes away. Where the fuck are all... Yeah. And it was like young people as well, yeah. which shows the power Tyler Childers' music has now. And yeah. like the popularity he has, where it's like a big demographic of folks come out to see him, but it's like... Where are these people? Normally, obviously, I'm not saying me and my mates are Childers level and people should come out to see us, but it's like, surely if you have that kind of interest, you yeah, might in be... Some kind of, in, in some kind of off-the-beaten-path style. Mm. Uh, it's like you're saying, if everything's so stark contrast, like, yeah, yeah, why aren't they interested? In, you know, when I went to college, there was this great, great arts, arts place uh, that did shows all the time and they brought regional acts in and you know so they didn't do a lot of local acts and i mm. always said that that probably had something to do with it there was really no connection between the outside and the inside but uh they would do all kinds of regional touring acts and it was right but it was behind like if you were walking from the college you'd get to the street where all the bars are first and then behind the bars there's this old warehouse building and that's where all these shows were going on hmm. and shows would happen in the bars too, but nobody would go. None of the college kids would go to these shows aside from myself and a couple of my friends, nobody would go to these shows. They would just rather go to the bar and, uh, you know, listen to whoever's playing there. Hmm. And, uh, now the difference was you had to pay a cover at the show and you had to bring your own beer at the show. But otherwise it's the same experience, kind of, you know, yeah. actually probably a better experience, but it's hard to break people's mentality too of a difference between a party and a show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's always a tough thing too, is when you're putting on a show is how do you get people to actually pay attention? Yeah, man, like in your experience when you've put on shows, what has helped you kind of cut through the noise and stuff? Because obviously you've put on folks like Pat Reedy, who's phenomenal. I've done a show with him over in Liverpool and stuff. What's kind of been your approach when you've been booking and then promoting a gig? I mean, I've been fortunate enough that that, that most of the venue, like actual venues that we work with, um, have very respectable crowds, mm. music crowds, that when we do music, um, they're very much so there for the music. Mm. So I've lucked out in that sense that I never really had to deal with uh, not a very dif disrespectful crowd or anything mm. like that. Uh, very much so there for the music. But we do try to promote that too. I mean, you know, like just in the way we carry ourselves at the show too, you know, pay attention and listen and, you know, watch what's going on. And if someone's kind of getting uppity, just kind of let them know, mm. Hey, you know, we're here to watch what's going on, what's being said and what's being played. House shows are always great. We love, love doing house shows because of that. It gives the opportunity to chillax and just yeah. see what's, what's going on and not be uh, distracted by all the hoopla of the bar or whatever. And, mm. uh, yeah, but it is tough, you know. Sometimes, hell, sometimes you want to party too, you know. 
And uh, there's a time and place for that too. But it's uh, definitely, I think, in our genre, like what we do, you and I, uh, with more of the singer-songwriter approach or smaller, uh, smaller bands, um, playing the listening rooms and things like that are, are much more beneficial, I think, in the long run. Yeah. The bars are just fun sometimes, mm. you know, but take them with a grain of salt, you know. Yeah, it's a weird one when you start, like, when you first start out, you think every gig is created equal. So you book in, like, the pub shows and the bar gigs, and you realize that you are just background noise. Yeah. Like, I remember I had to, for a few gigs, I had to tell people to turn off the music at the bar. Yeah. Because I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, the play of the jukebox, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. like, there was the TV on behind me. That's and it's like, one. just what the fuck? But then you realize that, like, and it makes when you find those listening rooms so much more valuable to be like, oh, this is, yeah, you know, one of those shows that, like, are not necessarily rare, but they are just outside of that bar and pub culture. Yeah, it's it's hard to find, trust me. There ain't there not very many of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is like a, a, a just a really cool, you know, a friend or a fan or a friend of a friend, somebody that is interested in having people, strangers in their house, whatever, to yeah. play some guitars in their living room. Mm. That always turns out to be the best, I think, just because it's all organic, man, and just creating a connection between people, creating common ground between people, especially over songs, you know, like that's uh, – that's a pretty damn powerful thing if you mm. think about it. So um, when you throw the bar into the middle of it, it just sucks all the life out of it. Yeah, man. I'm really hoping, like, we don't really have house shows over here. And I'm really hoping with how COVID's been threatening venues and how like, yeah. scarce live music is now, I'm really hoping that we can kind of introduce house concerts as a culture over here and try and book a few things in because they do have that quality to them that you just don't get anywhere else. Yeah, we uh we, we don't haven't had any house shows over here in a while. We uh we are essentially taking the time to uh just kind of wait it out. You know what I mean? There's nothing we can really do. And mm-hmm. uh COVID we we had a house show plan to do a um to do a uh thank you sir. We had a house show planned. This is my friend uh, Tom back here. He's snaking around. I was going to say that is commitment to it. Yeah, look at that. He's trying, not to, he's trying not to ruin the frame there, but <laughs> he wormed that Yingling right over to me. That was that's a buddy. That that's a buddy right there. That is a real friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's a buddy right there. That's a buddy. Like I've just been watching a fucking documentary on like horror films. I was trying not to break my conversation there or the, the concentration there. Yeah, man, I've just been watching and like we got up to the episode about like ghost horror films. And I, I, I was just kind of like thinking about it before this podcast. And then I just saw like a body slowly like appearing behind you. I was like, motherfucker, <laughs> have first... I turned into one of these like found footage films? <laughs> I looked down and I was like, what the hell is going on back there? <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. But no, yeah, COVID, I mean, it messed up that whole house show thing. We had some planned, but, you know, they were all canceled just for safety reasons. Obviously, we don't want to hurt anyone. So all that kind of stuff's on hold. And at this point, we've just been 
really hunkering down. The Again, the cassette project was a long time coming and it just kind of popped up recently. It's been done. And so it's like, okay, we should release it, I guess, you know, and mm. put it out. And we have a bunch of other things that we're working on. And this has really just been a time, the past couple of months has been a time just to kind of really focus on getting some content ready yeah. and available. So that way we have our interwebs department covered uh, when the real world kicks back off. Yeah. So that way we don't have to interrupt our real world activities to go back and do internet shit. Yeah. You know, cause that's always kind of frustrating too. So we've been recording songs. Uh, you know, we're in the process of shooting some videos. Um, you know, trying our best to put together projects for our, some of our other friends, Gene Nisley. Mm. Uh, you know, we call him the country music singer. He, uh, we're going to do a record for him. We're going to do a record for my friend Chubb. Uh, we put out the cassette tape here for myself. Um, and who knows, like at this point, man, I'm just happy to help anybody that I believe in. And mm. uh, just like so many people have done for me over the years, like, you know, a lot of old time people I met and just friends, family, you know, I hate to call them fans because hell at this point, if you're a fan, you're a friend, you know, yeah. like, yeah, it's weird probably. at this level. Cause it's not necessarily fans. Cause it's like, I know every single person who likes every Facebook. Yeah. Person. I connect I, with them. You know? Yeah. It's like, I know every single person by name. If they like buy something from the store, I'm like, Oh, I'll, like, yeah, it's, it's weird because it's kind of, that like at this level it's friends and fans are weaved together they're just they're just friends like you don't have fans at this level because you aren't at any level where that matters it's all about just again that community and support yeah it's i mean there's nothing there's nothing that that can replace that you know what mm -hmm. i mean like it's like yeah I, I i keep using it as a reference but like places like Kentucky, places that have just network support of the artists in their town or in their community, whatever, like that's, if you, if somebody tells you, man, I like your shit, you better be friends with that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, because to be honest, he might be the only guy that likes your shit for a long time. Yeah. You know? So, uh, yeah, it, it I, I just feel lucky that, you know, I have the opportunity to even play music semi-professionally um, and that I have the support of friends that encourage me to support my friends. And yeah, I just, I, I feel, I, I feel extremely lucky, like to even connect, like, again, I'm thankful for this internet to connect with folks like you, you know, I, you know, I've even in the booking sense, it's been easy to connect with guys like Pat, Pat Reedy, uh, Chris and Nate of Ryland Brooks, uh, even Dallas Moore, uh, Sarah from Hello June. You know, like if you're a fan of these people and you really can't help them out in a way or, you know, even help grow their fan base, whatever. I mean, by all means, if you're in the business, it's, it's worth reaching out. You know what I mean? Like uh, connections are created every day. You know? Yeah, man. It's a really interesting thing because again, it's like, if you're a fan of them or you enjoy their music, it's not that hard to support them. Like you see all the stuff going around Facebook and things where it's like 10 ways to support an artist for free. 
And it's like, they aren't hard things to do. And it's even if you're a fan of them and you want to put a show on for them, that's if you think you've got the demand and you've got the friend network to do it, you can do that. I remember I've put on one of like these shows behind me was with him. Again, my brother-in-law was a fan of the band was like, Mike's put on a few shows sometimes let's connect. And we put on this fucking show and it was like, it's, it wasn't hard. We broke even. That's a success in my books. It was a fucking great night. And it's like, if you have a venue or you know somewhere or even a house show, there's so many ways to support folks now that I think as independent music becomes so important and it's so like, it seems to be like so pervasive. I don't know if it's just because we're independent musicians. So that's like what our timeline's filled with. Yeah. But you kind of see how that is what music is now because of, you know, you have like the Adele's and stuff at the very top, like Drake or whoever. But between that, you either have people paying like 300 quid for a gig or like six quid for a gig. And if someone's paying six quid for a gig, you can put that gig on probably. You Like the independent artists are so attainable now that if you're a fan of them, you could probably book them for yeah. a gig. Yeah. And, I, and, and not that anyone's, you know, looking to take advantage of anyone, like by all means, like if it's, if, if what we can offer or what we can uh, provide to you is not enough or, uh, you know, doesn't meet your needs, by all means, we're not asking you to break your back or bend over backwards for, for, for us. Mm. Um, but if we can, if we can work together and we can provide you an opportunity that's worth your while and uh, worth your time and, and your, your, your support, I think, we're here for it. You know mm. what I mean? Like if, and, and again, not saying that I'm, I'm not, I don't like everybody's stuff, but like, we got to believe in it. You know what yeah. I mean? We got to like it and we got to love it too. But uh, yeah, we want to make sure that we can help and support anyone we can. And so like, especially during the, the uh, you know, the first initial closings of the pandemic, uh, you know, I had a lot of people plan to play, uh, at Laura Run Lodge in, in Landisburg, which was Chicks. And uh, all those touring, all those acts were canceled, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I didn't have long-standing relationships with these people or even uh, initial face-to-face relationship. But as far as business-wise, I knew all those people were taking a hit. And if I could do anything myself to help Obviously, it's not the same, but if I can do something to provide for them and help them and help them further engage during this process, you know, I would do so. So we took it upon ourselves to contact those people whose bookings are canceled and say, you know, we don't have a large following uh, on Facebook or anything like that. And I didn't have the technical means to facilitate all these live streaming, considering these people were remote. Um, but we offered to pay every single one of them, you know, Hey, if you have the time and you're willing, we'll give you the login information to our account. You hop on there. We'll, we'll send you some money in the Venmo or whatever. And, you know, take it for an hour and, you know, see, you know, see if our people will connect with it. Mm-hmm. We took our time to promote those people. My favorite thing is to blast Facebook invites to, to bands and artists uh, to all my people and they have no idea what the hell it is or who they are, but they like it anyway. Mm. Then a couple weeks later or something, or a couple months, somebody will be like, 
you know, I found this band, man, and they're so-and-so, and they're really great, man. I, you know, I just stumbled upon them on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, man, I sent you an invite to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man, we just try to, you know, whatever we can to support. Like, at the end of the day, we're going to go broke doing this shit regardless. So, yeah, that's what it's about, man. We're just here to support and help and grow anybody and anything we can. Yeah, man, that's such the important and main thing is, like, the second someone's trying to make money out of it, you know to just not work with them. Like, it's always, like, what are you coming at it from is always, like, what's your intent is always more important than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, because, like I said before, if you're going after the money, I mean, we're all going after the money. Like, money makes the, the fucking world go around. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fucking money ain't everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, at the end of the day, the, the hardware highways vibe, man. At the time of that video, those guys didn't have a lot of money. No, and if they did, they didn't give a shit. You know, they would piss it away because it was just paper. Yeah. And there's something to be said about that. You know, I always love the, I don't know if it actually really happened, but in that Johnny Cash biopic movie, uh, he goes into the bank and tries to cash the check. And they won't cash the check for some reason. It's like a check for like $10,000. And he's like, well, then fuck it. It's just paper. And he just rips it. And they're like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> but he's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it ain't shit. You know, if you can't use it, it ain't nothing. Yeah, man. It's it's yeah. such a crazy world. Like, I've just been watching him. The Atlanta TV show, the uh, Donald Glover. Yeah. Reason, it's the same thing there where it's like they got this check and then he got it into like $100 bills and he couldn't buy a single thing with it. And he was like, well, what the fuck was the point in all this grinding and all this hustling if I can't even spend what we've made? Yeah. And that's like more real every day. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy. It's so crazy to see how uh, it's all driven by this this. Uh, unknown thing it's just yeah goofy i try not to get involved in that too much yeah man it's it's always the middlemen who seem to get beat, like paid more anyway it's a fucking weird thing yeah yeah but um, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. just going back to you briefly mentioned hip-hop and stuff have you seen a notorious eig documentary that's coming out soon i didn't know but i would love to i'd love to watch that yeah, yeah there's um, a documentary coming out on netflix i think it's next month about, oh hell um, yeah Biggie, so that'll be a good one. But with like hip hop and stuff, like who were you listening to? For like those Honestly, like uh I'm a huge Tupac fan. Love Tupac just because of the emotion. Yeah. Like um there's a new artist, uh Meek Mill from mm-hmm. Philadelphia, who uh also I would say is very emotional in his approach. Yeah. I'm not saying like he's crying like a country song. But you know what I mean? There's there's a there's a bigger force. There's a bigger reason to, and there's a bigger uh, reason to he's why he's saying the things he's saying. Yeah. You know? And uh, I can relate to all that, you know. And I respect all of that, and I respect that approach. So I always liked, I always liked Tupac, and yeah, I've, I've definitely been a big fan of Meek Mill mm. uh, over the past couple of years. Uh, growing up, my mom was a huge West Coast hip hop fan, and a Lauren Hill mm. love Lauren Hill. <laughs> so, mm. but that, that documentary sounds sick, man. I definitely need to check that out. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that. And um, there was a Patrice O'Neill, like the comedian, 
I don't know if you know him, like a documentary came out yesterday about him because he died a while back and he was a really fucking good comic. So I'm looking forward to those documentaries. But just with you mentioning hip hop, I was like, I need to remember that the Biggie documentary is coming out soon. Oh, yeah. I I love that type of stuff. And like, I love what Tupac was doing. I've only just started recently listening to Post Malone. And it took me ages because it was that he blew up that big. Yeah. And there was that song with Ozzy that I was just like, I'm not listening to this because... You got a song with Ozzy? Yeah, man. And then... was kid. I didn't know that. I mean, I know the guy's like superstar or whatever, but I actually have never... I don't think I've ever listened to any of his music. Yeah, that's... I kind of didn't listen to it again out of principle. Yeah. Like, I try and be super open-minded about music, but yes. every now and then a popular act catches me where I'm like, I'm not listening to that shit. Too many people yeah. are. Well, like, even speaking of hip-hop here, like, I've, like I'll say it on a country music podcast or not, I do have a guilty pleasure for 2 chains. Yeah. The guy's a, the guy's a, he's a character. Yeah. He's a straight up character. And uh, whether it's real or not, I, I, again, there's a, something about that commitment yeah. that uh, I respect that, you know? Yeah, man. Even like with it kind of being like country music and stuff, like the NPR Tiny Desk concerts, T-Pain did a really fucking good one. You know, I uh, I see that T Pain did do one, but I've never actually watched it. Do you know what? I was like, how's he gonna auto tune at a tiny desk? Does he yeah. auto tune it? He does a, some a touch of it, but otherwise, it's just a really fucking good gig. Damn, like, I was blown away by how good it was. But it was again like I had this kind of preconception of like Post Malone being, you know, super popular. So I won't like I won't dig it. It's not for me. And he brought that song with Ozzy, and I was like, meh. I'm still not bothered. And then I finally listened to it and I was like, God damn it, that was really good. Yeah. And then his album was actually really good. Hollywood's Bleeding, like his newest one. And it was again, one of those things where it's just like trying to be positive and keep an open mind about music. It's like, I try and do it for like all this like independent stuff. And then you still have that kind of jadedness when it comes to a big popular, like artist. Yeah, I know what you mean. We, we did see a thing from him on new year's eve actually now that i think about it it was i don't know what it was it was something we were watching on tv on new year's eve and it was post malone though i think it was like bud light like concert (laughs) or something but he did a cover i think it was alice in chains actually (laughs) but that's see that's that's the most i know about him is that Mm -hmm. he's actually pretty good at doing some of these Cause I see on the internet on like Facebook, I always see this one video of him doing uh, Bob Dylan. Uh, Don't think twice. I mm. think it, it is that he does, but yeah, that's I'm, all. I never actually listened to his music, but I'll have to check it out because I mean, obviously he's popular, but yeah. Like uh, at the reason. beginning of lockdown, he did like some Nirvana sets. Cause Travis Barker ended up being his drummer for a bit. And like they did oh, like, nice. a Nirvana set, which was pretty cool. But, he seems like an interesting person. He yeah, like, he seems like an interesting guy, like a very well-rounded in his yeah. musical understanding and approach. And I, again, I think that's the way to be. Yeah, and his like album, Hollywood's Bleeding, is about how he just got dissatisfied with LA and moved to Texas. Or yeah. It was Texas or it was Colorado. It was one of the two. But it was really an interesting thing. So if you check out that, but it's an interesting thing where like hip-hop and things collide and the influences that you can kind of find. But... You know, we're over the hour mark and I don't want to take up too much of your birthday weekend. So you've got Vice is out uh, now. Uh, this will be released in a 
month or so. So I assume will your EP be out by then? Yeah, we'll have the EP probably out by the time this comes out. So, mm. uh, you know, uh, hopefully it's available on your streaming, whatever. World yeah, man, I'll that. put the link to it all in this podcast as well in all the descriptions and stuff. Awesome. But, um, yeah. What else have you got? So obviously you're recording for a few other folks for your label and things. Is there anything coming up in the kind of immediate future that you're excited to be working on, like videos and things you're doing as well? Yeah, we're working with uh, some folks locally to produce some videos uh, to use for promotional use for the studio and for Kingfish and Friends, for the artist, um, you know, and just trying to do whatever we can to, to promote, you know, our friends in, mm. in our community that we believe in. And, and uh, luckily, we've been fortunate enough to connect with some folks outside of the community that are starting to kind of look back in, which is... Mm which is great, you know, so hopefully that all clash, uh, clashes and uh, comes out in a good way. Awesome, man. Well, I can't wait to hear it. I'll um, hit stop recording now. And that is episode 28 of Into the Van, Into the Bag. Please go check out Zach King's work, not only with his podcast, with his label, with his promoting, but his new music. It's really fucking brilliant. Uh, Travis Egnor, who did the pedal steel and the guitar work on my record, did it on Zach's as well. So even just, you know, alone from the quality and the caliber of Zach's own songwriting and style, he's working with musicians who are also fucking incredible. So please go check it out. Please share this podcast. Please share the music and the podcasts and the films and whatever it is that you care about because that is the only way that we get to make a difference in this world. It's the only way we really get to reach other people is through this connection. So until next time, guys, stay safe. Peace.